Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. So in this episode, I'm going to take us back to the 1800s again, which seems to happen quite a few times. You love going back in time. I know, it's great. So this week, I'm going to talk about the Sandiford Place murder. So Caitlin, have you heard of this one at all? I haven't. I haven't, like off the top of my head, that was like ringing no bells. So I'm looking forward to this. The murder of Jess McPherson took place in July 1862 in 17 Sandiford Place, Glasgow. So this murder is one of four notorious murder cases that took place in an infamous area of Glasgow known as the Square Mile of Murder. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I, I hadn't, so I had to Google it. Um, no. Have you? No. So it's just an area where four murders happened in 1800s to, I think, 1906. And the area stretches northwards from Blythewood Hill in the western end of the city centre to Socky Hall Street, and then it goes west towards Charing Cross. Now, however, an M- the M8 is cutting right through the middle of it. I'm going to focus on the Sandiford Place murder. So not all four of these murders. 35-year-old Jess McPherson worked in 17 Sandiford Place as a servant for the family of a well-to-do and socially prominent accountant, John Fleming. John was a widower and he lived in his property with his son, also named John, and his father, James, who was locally known as Old Fleming. And he was originally from Aberdeenshire. Now, during the summer months, John Fleming, along with his son, John Jr. stayed in town during the week to attend to business because we're accountants but they left early every Friday afternoon to spend the weekends in their country house in Dunoon. So this meant that they left Jess McPherson, the servant to tend to the family home and Old Fleming because he was always left behind to holiday in his fashion. So he didn't want to go. Now, Old Fleming, okay. he was a man of, well, according to him, he was 87. But according to oh, the wow. lawyers and um, everyone else, he was 78. Now, this was in, <laughs> this was in 1862. So, obviously, I know records that weren't completely uh, to That's scratch. That's like clearly but... one mistake, though, because it's the same numbers. Yeah, I think he's just probably switched them around or something like that. Yeah, he's like, I'm sick of aging, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so he didn't go um, away at the weekends and stuff because he was quite a colourful character, shall we say. He was rough and ready. Um, he used to be a handloom weaver. So he wasn't all, he wasn't born into money. What so, is a handloom weaver? So the it's just a weaver who uses <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, a weaver who uses looms. So you know, um, I'm guessing a hand loom weaver would be someone that used to do it by hand. You're really good at this. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, you should work for the dictionary. I want to say it's like thread. Yeah. Right. Okay. So like, so it's like open. threads weave back and forth. Okay. To make like. Okay, I'm with you now. Rugs. He might have not made rugs. Right, let's just say cloth, okay? Anyways. Right, great, lovely. So that's what he used to do. 
unimportant because he moved away from that um, because he made a substantial amount of money. So he set up his own manufacturing business in Glasgow. He accumulated some wealth wow. and he also acquired a portfolio of properties, which you know, as in our portfolios, they're doing great. Um, so obviously having all these properties as well, they took rent from people who were staying in them. So that was more income from them. Um, because of all of this, this allowed him to educate his family. So that's how his son became an accountant because, well, he got an education because back there, back then it wasn't like, you know, everyone's going to do well and can go on to do anything they want to. Now, he was a prominent figure in the area, uh, his son, and back in Socky Hall Street, all that area, you know, the square mile of murder, etc. These yeah, places yeah, yeah. were fancy. This is Victorian Britain. There's servants, there's workers, there's huge houses, you know. Now, even with all of this wealth and the middle class surroundings, old Fleming remained stubbornly and quite embarrassingly crude in his manners, habits and speech compared to his son, who became quite a big part of higher society. You know, he f he fitted in more. Now, old Fleming. Yeah, you want to say it's like a generation thing, but I don't know. I suppose as well, if he's came from work, as you said, that wasn't money. Then, yeah. You know, his son's got an education, like grew up with people with money. Whereas if this guy hasn't, he wouldn't know how to act differently, do you know? Yeah, exactly. I think, though, as well, he just came across as quite a bit of a, like, well, I'll say later on, but he did like the drink and things like that. He wasn't... Right. Manners, he lacked manners completely. You know, it doesn't matter where in life you can't come from it. He just... His manners weren't have great. It. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. But okay. he also he also spoke the Doric language. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like the Doric Why? language. Uh -huh. yeah, that's what my granddad speaks. Yeah. So yeah, for those who don't know. Like, oh sorry. Yeah, don't tell us. Yeah, yeah. so it's like Fraser Butter is where my grandparents, like my granddad's from, and they speak Doric. So it's like a type of Aberdonian. So it's basically like old Scottish almost, but like. The way they speak is like they've got that like Aberdonian accent, but then they use words like for a bit quite... exactly, yeah. And like I'll sometimes even because my granddad does it sometimes he'll say fit instead of like what. And if I'm talking really quick, I'll be like fit, blah, 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 and I'll say fit, and it's like so funny because people are like what, but I'm like oh yeah, that's like how my granddad that would say it. But when my auntie that lives up there phones like my grand will be like I don't have a clue what they're saying because they're just like yeah. oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> and my grand's uh -huh. like what <laughs> yeah it's very broad and it's like oh yeah it all yeah. mangles into one yeah definitely <laughs> that makes sense um so obviously because of this um his family were kind of embarrassed by it but that's only because obviously they're now in Glasgow and yeah of course they speak more proper but at the same time, it's not saying Doric isn't a proper language because it is. No, it's but different. it's not posh. Jeez. No, no matter how you try, it's not posh. Now, old Fleming, like I said, he also liked to drink and he preferred to spend his time downstairs, which I'll say in air quotes because, you know, it's not like Downton Abbey, but with the servants, they were always kind of downstairs. Now, probably because he had more chat with them. Yeah, but the thing is, 
he preferred to especially spend the time with the female staff. Oh. Yes. Okay, now, exactly. To get make matters worse, this sometimes presented some difficulties for the family. Especially when, which happened a lot, he had too much to drink. Because, ten years prior to 1862, Old Fleming had impregnated... Impregnated? <laughs> impregnated... <laughs> Impregnated. How do you say that word? Right. I said it right. Impregnated. Impregnated. Yes, yes. Impregnated. A domestic servant named Janet Dunsmore. And oh, he dear. Had, yeah. So because of this, he was publicly criticised by the local church and he was charged with fornication. So I don't know what happens when the church charges you with fornication, but he was. Now, I don't think it's the same as like court. Like, I don't think you can go to jail or whatever, but like, I don't think you're like welcome back as much, maybe. Yeah, they probably just, you know, judged him. Now, Jess McPherson, she did complain about Old Fleming's behaviour on numerous occasions to people, and she told folk that he was always pestering her and asking her to marry him. And obviously, this is a drunk old man pestering a young maid. Now, Jess, especially was, someone that's meant to be like working for him, like, oh. yeah, it's like know the boundaries, just know them. Because obviously, the other, like his son, um, John, and everyone, they were fine. Now, Jess was best friends with a young woman named Jessie McLaughlin. So we've got Jess and we've got Jessie. Okay, I'll name these quite okay. a lot, but yeah, Jess yeah, yeah. and Jessie, two different people. Right. Okay. Jessie McLaughlin was from Inverness. She had moved to Glasgow at about the age of 15 when she became a domestic servant. She used to also work for the Fleming family. That's how they met before. But then she moved on to an other premises. Um, but they did stay friends and she visited Jess at the Fleming house on numerous occasions. So they had been friends for years. Now, in 1862, Jessie was 28 years old and she was married to a man named James, who was a seaman. And he spent periods of time out at sea, away from home, and left Jessie at her home with their three-year-old son. So as a seaman, his wages weren't great. So Jessie had to take in lodgers in their house and she pawned a lot of their items on the regular just to keep afloat. Now, that was kind of normal back then for ages, hundreds of years, really. You know, you have something and you pawn it off. I was like, why is that a common thing that she's, like, stealing from people? She's not not stealing. She's just pawning their items. So it happens. Yeah, even back, oh, not that long ago, but you could sell, say, your watch at the start of the week or on a Friday to go out and then once you get paid the next thing you meant, week, like pawning their stuff I get you more now okay she's okay yeah sorry she's not a thief now Jessie also suffered from a heart condition which grew worse after the birth of their child um that's all I read into it it wasn't like they said anything else about the heart condition so I don't really know if it was very if you needed to know that information but she did have a fondness of glamorous clothes that she couldn't really afford but she also had no intentions of going back to the domestic service. So, again, they were kind of just above the poverty line, but she liked those things in life that were a bit better. Well, I was just going to say, like, which is fair enough. Like, I don't know somebody that doesn't wish they had, like, more money. Even people that have lots of money would like to wish they had more money. Like, that's just a, that's just a thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Now, her friend Jess, however, was unmarried and she remained the only female servant in the Fleming household, surrounded by dominating men. Now, she was very well liked by the other workers of the household and she was really good at her job. Uh, She attracted a lot of male attention and it's reported that once, when a police officer made some advances at her, she proceeded to pin him to the ground so she was able to look after herself. You know, she was... I was going to say, whoa, (laughs) I was like, she's a bad bitch. Yeah, so she, she could look after herself quite well. Earlier, though, in 1862, not long before her murder, Jess had actually raised a complaint with the Flemings, so the, like, John Fleming, about old Fleming, so about his father. Now, she reported that he had been drinking and that he climbed into her bed with her and made advances towards her. She had hoped that... Which is more than just his, like, weird comments. Yeah, I'm guessing, like, he probably was mega weird, made loads of comments, grabbed her here and there, but this time, you know, it's like, he's in her bed. So that's that's a no. All of these things are a no, but you know what I mean. So she had hoped that Old Fleming would help fund her travels to Australia that she had planned to do. So she wanted to actually travel to Australia. And, you know, it's been it's hearsay, but people are saying that, oh, he must have thought that her behaviour, because she would have been acting nice to him, may have welcomed Old Fleming's attention towards her. Because obviously she's going to be nice because, one, it's her job and, two, she wants to go to Australia. I also think as well, like her being nice, yeah, as you said, is her job, but you can't all of a sudden be like, oh, this person's nice to me. They must want to sleep with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think after the first time he tried and she's been like, no, he should have been like, ah, right, okay. Yeah, exactly. But we're in 1862. Now, which isn't an excuse, but you know what I mean. Now, after this event, she was very distressed, obviously, because he got into bed with her and she met a good friend of hers in the street. Um, And her friend was actually with her husband at the time. And the friend noted that she looked very ill and distressed. And Jess said to her, the old devil had done something to her. But there's no reports saying what he did. So whether or not she managed to tell her friend that at the time or, you know, we just don't know. But I guess we could guess what he did. Now, on the night of the 4th of July... 1962. Jess had arranged to meet up with Jessie, whom I mentioned earlier. So at around 10pm, Jessie made her way to the Fleming property to spend the evening with her friend. So she had left her property at 182 Broomy Law and she had spoken to her landlady at the time because they passed each other. And she just said, oh, I'm away to meet Jess, my good friend, and I'm going to bring some rum and biscuits. Now, Old Fleming joined the two young women in the kitchen and offered them whiskey. Now, isn't that just the worst? You know, it's like, I came to meet my friend. I didn't come here for your drunkenness to yeah. join us in the kitchen. Yeah, that is like that is annoying. <clears throat> now, during the drinking sesh, Jessie later recalls that there wasn't so much bickering going on between Old Fleming and Jess. But, you know, there were some comments made under Jessie's breath throughout the evening. So... They could be, you know, backhanded She's comments. She's not going to really, like, bicker with him, though, is she? No, that's like, her As you said, like, that's her boss, yeah. So even though he's made sexual advancements, which we've both clarified he shouldn't, and that's not cool, like, she isn't able to leave. So she needs to, like, it sounds horrible, but, like, 
work with them. She can't just be like, okay, I'm not quitting the job because I want the money, but I'm going to treat you like shit. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm totally on her side. I think he's bag it of order, but if she's going to work there, it needs to be amicable. She can't be working there being like, I fucking hate you. Because it's going to be like, right, okay, we're not going to keep you hired then. So, yeah, yeah, I see why it wasn't much bickering. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the whiskey that they were all drinking had actually run out during the night because they were drinking for a few hours. So, old Fleming instructed Jesse to fetch some more at a public house. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so, go to the pub. Yeah, go to the pub and fetch us some more whiskey. So, this was on North Street. Um, and it was just kind of round the corner. Um, unfortunately, supplies were out. So she had to return to the house oh. empty handed. I'm guessing, I don't know how you can go to, I guess back in the day you went to the pub, the pub and picked up some whiskey. I don't know how it worked, but must have been a rowdy Friday. Now, when she got back to the house, she tried to let herself fit back into the house, just, you know opening the door as she would but the door was locked that's how you let yourself in a house <laughs> yeah but the like she had let herself out the house you know left them in the kitchen but by the time but the door has now been locked the door's been locked which is strange hmm. so she had to knock to get into the house but she had to knock for quite some time and then eventually old fleming came and answered the door so, obviously, Jesse went into the house with him, but there was no sign of Jess. So, old Fleming began to walk through the hallway and down to the basement, where all the servants' quarters are and the kitchen, etc. So, Jesse followed him, and she began to hear groaning. And they both walked into Jesse's bedroom. There, Jesse saw that her friend was lying seriously injured on the floor with facial injuries, where her brow had been cut and was bleeding profusely and her nose had been injured. So obviously, she ran over to Jess, who was lying in a pool of blood and was barely able, able to speak. So Jessie raised her in her arms and attempted to offer some comfort to her friend and tried to establish if she could help her. Now she told Old Fleming to get her water, where she then washed Jessie's face to wash away the blood and you know you could see the pro- see what damage had been caused but this also helped Jess come round a bit so she could start speaking and this is when she asked to be moved to the bed so Jessie was a- unable to move her on her own so she got old Fleming to help her so that they put Jess on her bed now Jessie says that old Fleming would have been making advances towards Jess, who would have turned him down, and then he would have assaulted her. You know, that's what's going on in her mind. Now, Old Fleming obviously refused to let Jessie call on a doctor because why would he do that? Because then that's alerting the the police or the doctors. He's going to have to explain himself what happened. Now, That makes Jessie quite distressed by the condition of her friend. So she tried to leave so that she could raise the alarm. But obviously, Old Fleming didn't allow this. Now, whilst in another part of the house, because Jessie was trying to get away, she heard screaming. So she rushed back to where Jess was and found Old Fleming standing over Jess, who was dead, as he had again attacked her with a cleaver (laughs) 
but this time it ended her life. It's said that she was hit around about 49 times with this meat cleaver. Now, according to Jessie, she once again attempted to leave the house. However, Old Fleming said that she can't because if she does, they'll both be held responsible for the murder. So now he's saying, you're going to go to jail as much as I am. So this is on you. Now, Jessie later said that she was bribed by Old Fleming to say that Jess was attacked by a stranger. He gave her one pound and seven shillings from his pocket, a silver plate from the house and some clothes belonging to Jess so that it would look like a robbery gone wrong. He got Jessie to swear on the Bible that she would not speak a word of what happened in that house that night. Old Fleming was left in this house for the whole weekend with a dead body. One thing that would later prove critical in court was that he answered the door to the milk boy in the morning. Now, this doesn't seem unusual like to the, at this day and age, but back no. then, that was the job of the servant. So that would have been Jesse's mm. job in this instance. He also went to church twice on Sunday, which I personally think was because he sinned and, you know, killed mm-hmm. someone. Jesse had returned back to her lodgings and the weekend had passed. On the morning of Monday the 7th of July, John Fleming and his son returned to Glasgow, going straight to the office, as this was their habit. Around 4.30pm, John Jr. went home and was greeted by his grandfather at the door. John Jr. asked what had become of Jess, as she Mm -hmm. would usually answer the door. So old Fleming simply said that she's away, she's cut. He asked that he has not seen her since Friday. Okay. By this time, John Sr. had returned and they went down to her room to find her bedroom door locked. They managed to find a key where they then got into the room and found Jess lying on the bed, dead. She had been hacked to death to the point that her nose was hanging off. Now, just to say that was the Doric language, she's away, she's cut. I think that just means she's gone. Mm. Something like that. I know it kind of sounds like she's cut and she's been cut up with a meat cleaver don't think they're connected no just fyi now the flemings they knew that they had to call the police but they actually left it for the family butcher to do oh nice to to call the police i really don't understand why but you know each to their own now when the police arrived old fleming denied all knowledge of the attack but he did admit hearing strange noises on the night of the attack however behind the property was kind of a waste ground that was mostly used by drunks and sex workers so he Mm -hmm. just thought it would have been from that so that's what he was saying Mm -hmm. now there was quite a lot of blood obviously but there was a lot of blood around the property even though old fleming had cleared up but he didn't clean it all clearly he's had he's had servants so why would he now (laughs) why would (laughs) yeah he did however he cleaned up himself you know it's been a whole weekend so I would have hoped that but he did clean up himself and he had burnt his shirt which later the police forensics found a button in the fire so they knew that he did burn his shirt now the police find blood in the kitchen lobby and mm-hmm. some spots of blood on some of old Fleming's shirts so it's like he must have went he must have been a mess and went into his wardrobe and st- put blood everywhere you know 
they also noted that some silver had been taken from the kitchen and that the trunk of the deceased had been rummaged through so things would have been taken. So, you know, the dresses that Jessie mm. was given. In the days after the murder, Jessie gave various accounts of what happened to the police, but they were all different as she kept lying. Now, a pawnbroker contacted the police to inform them that he was actually in possession of the missing silver because they had put an article in the newspaper about it. So he said he was given it by a woman named Mary MacDonald. So very okay. quickly, the police found out that Mary MacDonald was, in fact, Jesse McLaughlin. <laughs> da, da, da. Now, I after pawning... plot twist. <laughs> After pawning the plates under a fake name, she also sent a trunk of her bloody clothes to Hamilton and a trunk of Jessie's dresses to Air. That's a good rhyme. I know. Air under a fake name. So these actions, they do not look good for Jessie, sorry, one bit. Now, Jessie even asked her husband to dispose of some goods. And by this time, he was so concerned, he went to the police to tell them what was going on and inevitably, this drew a lot more focus mm. of her involvement in the case. Now, three days after the murder, Old Fleming was arrested and taken to prison for further questioning. Thereafter, Jessie was not making things easy for herself. So then gave five different statements that conflicted each other. And the doctor who did the postmortem said that the wounds could only have been inflicted by a woman or a weak man. Oh. And, yeah. And during this time, James Fleming continued to deny any involvement to the point that he never even saw Jesse in the house or heard the two women that night. So he denied even seeing them or spending time with them. So focus then moved to Jesse and what reason she'd have to steal from them. So the mm-hmm. Crown presented a case that Jessie was short of money and therefore this crime and theft was because of this. So this was all because Jessie had no money. Now at one point, Jessie claimed that Old Fleming asked her to pawn the goods mm. for his holiday. However, this was not helping her case at all because he had plenty mm-hmm. of money in the bank and he didn't need to pawn anything. And, let's be real, he probably wasn't going on holiday because he was too busy drinking in his house. No, exactly. So everything was stacking up against her. But also, someone was giving the police more information. And it said that it would probably undoubtedly be Old Fleming giving the police this information because he had contacts and he knew that if he put the pieces together in his way, then it would work out in his favour. Now... Jessie and her husband James were both arrested on the 13th of July. Now this is strange because it was well known that her husband James was out at sea during the time of the murder. So why on earth would he be arrested? Mm -hmm. So he was then examined and questioned first. So he was before Jessie and then he was liberated. Jessie was then examined and taken into custody having been charged of the murder of Jess McPherson. As far as Jessie was aware, she thought Old Fleming was still being held and questioned. So, you know, she wasn't completely Mm. like, I'm going to get 
restrained for this. Mm. Now, at the time, persons under actual arrest were not permitted to testify in court and their only opportunity to present their case was in a private declaration before the sheriff. And get, I'm sure that's now been changed. Maybe it was changed many, many years ago. But I didn't even know that was a rule back in the day. Mm. Now, Jessie denied that she had taken the silver plate. She denied that she, she had disposed of her bloodstained clothing. And she denied that she had taken Jessie's dresses. Now, unfortunately, the authorities already had the evidence that she had done all these things. So each time she denied it, she was just digging herself a deeper and deeper hole. Now, public interest in the case was huge. Not only were there newspapers putting updates every hour or so, especially every mm. day, there were also some newspapers on the side of Jesse and others okay. on the side of Old Fleming. So it's oh. kind of like a, like a war sort of thing. Mm. Now, this was also big because it was the first case ever in Scotland where forensic photography was used. Now, in one part of the room, they had found three bloody footprints, which the police proceeded to take photographs of, which never used to be a thing. Now, the footprints, they were later to be determined by a doctor of being female. Mm -hmm. So the final nail in the coffin for Jesse was that a doctor visited her in prison on the Monday after her arrest took out a plank of wood, put it on mm. the floor, got her to stand in animal blood Ooh. and then put her footprint on the wood and took photos of that. So the police then matched the pictures of the scene to the pictures that they took at the prison and they said that it was a perfect match. Now, it's not up to today's standards of forensics, but in those days... Like, it was pretty cutting edge. You know, mm. we're taking a photo and we're going to compare them. Now, there was also blood found on the floor and stairs, which they determined would be from a woman going through the house with blood on her skirt. Especially back in the 1800s, yeah, skirts yeah, yeah. were practically right down to the floor. So they said it could only have been from a woman walking about the house in the blood's coming off of her skirt. Later... Old Fleming was released from prison and when Jessie's lawyers told her this, this is when she decided she wanted to make a statement and it said that this statement was the true and accurate version of events that took place mm -hmm. that night. So she admitted that there had been drinking that night, Old Fleming committed the murder, she had taken the plates and dresses and mentioned Old Fleming's behaviour towards Jess before that night. So everything that she had been told by Jess she had put in this statement. Now, obviously, that still contradicts everything else she's been saying throughout this whole mm. time, but she's just realised old Fleming's been let off. She's going to get the blame. He's not actually on her side. He's he's just mean, really. <laughs> That's all you can say. Now, the trial took place on the 17th to the 20th of September, 1962. And when in court, Old Fleming stood up as a witness in the case against Jesse and he gave his evidence in Doric, which would have probably been a bit hard for some of the jurors to understand what he was even saying. Mm -hmm. He was a fast talker, he was just rambling on nonsense a lot of the time, but in his 
broad accent, that made it even worse. Mm. Now, some things he was saying in court did stack up against him, such as answering the door. Like I mentioned earlier, he denied answering this door. However, in trial, the milk boy and the milkman driving the car gave evidence that he did answer the door and they did deliver the milk around 20 past eight. Right. So he was also getting quite confused and he couldn't even get his own age correct. And then at five minutes later, he says he did answer the door and he's just, you know, rambling nonsense. Now, back in those days, as I said, Jessie was forbidden by law to take the stand. So her defence relied on a handful of witnesses. They testified to the warm friendship that had existed between the two women and the victim's loathing of old Fleming, whom she described as an old wretch and an old devil. A friend of the deceased who saw her shortly before her murder asserted that Jess confided that she had a secret that she wished to tell her when they were alone. So this is a woman that she met with her husband. But she wanted to wait until they were alone to tell her the secret. A secret was, that was obviously of a very intimate nature and one that related to her difficult relations with her employer's eccentric and intrusive father. However, she died before she could relate this nature of this secret. But the judge, Lord Diaz, who was also nicknamed mm-hmm. the Angel of Death, so he was mm-hmm. very good. He loved to, you know, sentence folk to death. He was so suspiciously partial to the Flemings as the investigators and urged the jury to ignore the issue. He was certain that the, the deceased only wished to tell her friend that she was thinking of emigrating to Australia. Mm-hmm. So he completely just washed over it. Now, it was in his summing up to the jury, however, that Diaz truly distinguished himself. He Anything that was told against the accused was emphasised and whatever reflected badly on Old Fleming was either excused or simply ignored. So okay. in a speech lasting four hours, he failed to say one word even remotely in favour of Jesse. Everything mm-hmm. was bad but he had nothing bad to say about Old Fleming. After deliberating for a grand total of, how long do you think the jury took? I want to say something wild, like five hours. 15 minutes. Oh, right. (laughs) Just a wee bit off. The jury came back with a verdict of guilty. Upon hearing this awful word, Jesse who appeared to have been like the only one in the courtroom surprised that she was found guilty, told her counsel that she wished him to read a statement on her behalf. It was the account that had related to her lawyers back in August. So that's the one that I mentioned that she had written once she found out that Old Fleming had been set free. Mm-hmm. So when finally the judge gave her permission for that to happen, he gave the first time in public... Jesse's version of the night Jess McPherson died. So this was the first time that anyone in public had actually heard Jesse's accounts on what happened. But she's just obviously been found guilty. 
Now, in response to this statement, Lord Diaz immediately dismissed it as wicked falsehoods. And without hesitation, he put on the black cap, which I'm guessing they put on when they sentenced folk, mm-hmm. and sentenced Jesse to death by hanging. Wow. Mm. Now, the story's not over, because fortunately for Jesse, others found her story considerably, considerably, can't say the word. Considerably. More con- convincing. Thank you. There was such a public outcry against obviously executing her before further investigation could be done that the Crown was compelled to appoint a secret inquiry into the matter. So the Commissioner could not subpoena witnesses or force anyone who appeared to testify under oath. And one of the heads of this inquiry was the same Procurator Fiscal who had pressed the original charges against the accused. However, yeah, these private proceedings weren't great because those involved had to realise that, you know, they could have got it wrong the first mm-hmm. time, um, and they, but they had to attempt to compromise. Now, on the 6th of November, 1862, Jessie's sentence was commuted to life mm-hmm. imprisonment, so she was no longer having the death sentence. So, as usual, though, because of these things, no one was happy you know some people were like well she deserves mercy and others mm-hmm. were like um well no she actually deserves to be hung so again it's all about the public and everything like that but at the end of the day she served 15 years in prison wow and she was quietly released on the 5th of october 1877 so she would have been about 44 now after her trial her husband and her son moved to America. And when Jessie came out of prison, she found that she was still quite a notorious figure in Glasgow. So she soon followed them to America. And and everything else that I have is that she died in Port Huron in Michigan on the 1st of January, 1899. And I believe the Fleming family died well before her um i think john fleming might have only have been 50 and old fleming died pretty much not far after he committed that crime fair enough absolutely fair enough so that's me that's the story of uh, well jess mcpherson and that was wild yeah it's quite uh obviously everything i researched for saying it was notorious and infamous and I've never heard of it before, but I'm guessing it's one of those ones, probably in Glasgow, you know more of it, like we know more of the ones in Edinburgh, vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Um, It'd be interesting to see if anyone actually did know about this or if they knew about it, like maybe a different name or do you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And it's a hard one, you know, it's quite annoying. Obviously, I I do think it could all be, you know, hearsay, but old Fleming, I do feel he did it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Jessie didn't help herself in the matter that she was totally like she was very feared for her life you know she yeah, was like absolutely. well Old Fleming's yeah, yeah, yeah. got everything against me so I can't think straight I'm going to tell a million different lies and can't keep up but Old Fleming obviously being him knew people in the right places and got away with it 